Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space for Therapists, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. In this episode, we are exploring setting your fee, setting your rate as a therapist in private practice. But I'm telling you, this episode is so much more than just a calculation for setting your fee. I'm sharing my conversation with Josie Rosario. She's a licensed clinical social worker and business coach. And in this episode, we explore some of the things that you want to be taking into consideration when setting your fee as a therapist. We talk about when to offer a sliding scale and when it might not be the right choice to offer a sliding rate. We talk about insurance panels, And I ask her, how can we be therapists that are accessible if that's something that we value while also having a healthy, thriving business that is sustained because we are charging a rate that really does reflect the value of the work that we are offering and the work that we are doing. And then we explore some ways that therapists can break through the income ceiling that so many therapists feel like they have when it comes to trading time for money. I cannot wait for you to tune in to this conversation, so let's get to it. You're listening to Holding Space for Therapists, a podcast for modern therapists. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm passionate about supporting therapists and building profitable, sustainable, and meaningful private practices. Are you ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Let's dive in. Hello, Josie. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat with me. I'm really excited to dive in and talk with you all about money and running a private practice, setting your rate, setting your fee as a therapist. But before we dive in, I'm a huge fan of your work. Uh, Maybe you could share a little bit with our listeners a little bit about you and the work that you do and what you're passionate about. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited Super huge fan of your work as well. So very happy to be, um, you know, be connected. And so, um, you know, I'm a New York City-based uh, licensed therapist, and I'm also a business coach for therapists. And in particular, I, I support them with marketing and money. Um, so I, I run a group coaching program, and our, our expertise, what we help them achieve is, you know, or rather we teach them how to, attract the line clients and, and achieve five figure months. So super straight into the point, um, but it has huge impact. I love it. I love it. And you mentioned something here, you know, getting kind of crystal clear on who those ideal clients are and then really targeting that marketing plan to those folks. I mean, I could talk to you about all the things. I love the work that you're doing. We share very similar passions, but let's, let's talk about the money piece. So when it comes to when it comes to setting your rate as a therapist, this can be a super stressful and difficult decision. And I think that some of the discourses around being a helper, and I know I received a lot of messages in graduate school that are like, you didn't come into this work to make money. And I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. like I <laughs> I do at my core um, want to be want to help and right and 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 be accessible. But I also have a family to raise. I would also like to make money. <laughs> so totally. um, how do I sort of negotiate this within myself? And then how do I do this with folks actually reaching out, right? And so I would love to sort of hear your perspective um, in terms of you know setting your rate, setting your fee. Um, And then what are some of the steps or things to take into consideration when it comes to setting your fee as a therapist in private practice? Yeah, super important question. Um, And so I I love that you spoke about kind of like the discourse and the messages that we get, because that's really what keeps us stuck, right? I I can very much give you the strategy. I can give you a formula. You know, I can kind of give you those very like black and white things. But where um, most therapists run into challenges um, is around, you know, who who do I 
who am I if I charge this full fee? What does it mean? Like the meaning that we make of charging a full fee of not taking insurance, for example, or not sliding or whatever the case is, because it literally contradicts what we've been groomed to, to, to think or to see ourselves as, right? We're the helpers, you know, we, you know, being overworked is okay because, right, the trade-off is that you're helping folks. And so, you know, when you set your fee in a way that um, kind of chips away at those messages, you literally are doing identity work. And I talk a lot about this when it comes to, um, you know, being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, self-employed, that there's a great deal of identity work. You literally have to become a different person that with a different set of beliefs and mindsets if you're going to be successful. Um, and, you know, to your point, they're not mutually exclusive. You don't have to sacrifice making a good living, um, you know, just because you're helping people. And so when it comes to the steps, um, you know, we've been taught to, you know, everything look kind of outside of ourselves, right? We have to think about caseload and fees and expenses, this, that, and the third. But I always instruct the therapists who work with me to really start with yourself. Like, what do you need? What do you need a month? What do you need to be making a year? Not because, you know, you are, um, you know, living a rich and like lavish lifestyle, but what do you need to survive? What do you need to pay those student loans? Because hello, they're not going to pay themselves, right? What do you oh, need yeah. if you, you want to, you know, um, raise a family? What do you need if you want to buy a home? Right? All of the things that you wanted to pay or practice for, right? Like time and financial freedom. What do yeah. you need? Start there. That is typically really hard for us, right? Because we have to center ourselves. We have to think about what we want without justifying it. We have to think about what's important to us, right? And so, um, you know, have a very simple, simple kind of plan or like method when it comes to setting your fee. And that's, you know, literally figure out how much you need to be making a month or a year and backwards plan from that, you know, um, yeah. get your fee. Right. And, and, you know, we're probably going to talk about like, you know, setting your fee and all of that. But if you know how much you're make, you need to be making a month and you know the fee, right, that, that you need to be charging, then your caseload, then you get your caseload number. Right. right. Kind of right. take it from there. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And so there's, oh, and like, I, I really appreciate here that you're kind of talking about this experience of centering yourself and centering your own needs for the life that you have or the life that you are um, trying to create, right? Because um, mm -hmm. maybe some of these are, some of these, ex some of these things you're taking into consideration are just like, yeah, current expenses. Like I have student loans, like it's a, I mean, it's a, there's a number every month that's going to be shipped off to that, you know? Um, and maybe I know my current expenses, like my, um, if I have an office, my office rent and my business expenses and then my life expenses, right? So like my, mm -hmm. I'm, my, my, the money that goes to just my housing every month, to food, to um, you know other expenses like my children, um, and so taking all of these pieces into consideration and starting off there because I think that where a lot of folks initially start, and let me know if you've had the similar experience in working with therapists, is well, what are what are people willing to pay and what are other therapists charging? So it's very much like other focused. Mm -hmm. Do you have that experience with, with therapists that they're very much focused on, um, yeah, the clients themselves, which again is an important factor to take into consideration and we'll get there, but they tend to sort of start there. And also like, what are other people charging? <laughs> you know, so they kind of go to what other folks are doing in their area. And I think that these are, potentially important considerations, but if we start there, then we're missing a core component, which is you. You are the one that's providing the service um, and the support. You are the one that needs to sustain a healthy, thriving business so you can keep showing up for the work, right? And if we don't center our own needs and ourselves in all of this, then we're going to lose this huge component and that's that's kind of the foundation otherwise things would kind of start to break away or fall apart around that would you would you agree with that and has it been your experience with other therapists kind of focusing outward first 100% I man i just i think just yesterday or just a few, a few days ago i 
um, uploaded a video up on, on Instagram speaking about the same thing, right? That we, um, we really need to flip on its head the way that we've been taught to think about our numbers. And maybe it worked at a certain point, but it doesn't work anymore, mm-hmm. right? And, and it does become um, other focus. And, you know, again, we, I think that sometimes we lose sight of why are we going to prior practice in the first place? And, and really um, being courageous and unapologetically, you know, um, saying like, this is, this is for me. I want to be able to do this really important work on my terms in a way that makes sense for me. Like that, that is one of the most courageous things that you can do. And, and I always, you know, I'm a social worker, so, you know, I'm always kind of thinking like systemically and, and context and all of that. And, you know, our field is mostly, you know, women identified folks, right? Mm-hmm. And so what does it mean for a group of folks that are typically marginalized in the society, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I know it's 2021 and we have more information and research and we're talking about things in ways that we haven't in the past and still, right? We still live in a certain system. Yeah, right? patriarchy so, is still pervasive. Uh, yeah. And so what does it mean for a profession that is mostly, um, you know, women identified to be making really good money? You know, that's, that's, that's radical right there. Right. And and that's, that's part of what fuels, you know, what I do. You know, I'm I'm a black woman as well. Um, You know, so there's that like additional layer for folks who, who look like me that, you know, we don't have access, right? And we have, we don't have the same privileges. And so, um, you know, it, it is really like an, an honor, but also just like my purpose uh, to, to be working with folks that for, you know, whether it's their gender identity or their, their you know, um, the way that they've been racialized, you know, our, our marginalized communities in our, in our society. So. It's so helpful here that you are naming these things because we really need to put everything, all of our experience into context when we sit mm-hmm. down to actually think about money, right? And I I completely agree that doing this work really is identity work, right? And sometimes it's, it's beginning to kind of peel away at some of those discourses that, yeah, we've sort of absorbed from the world around us, but become our internal voice, right? So it feels like it's our own sort of idea that like, in order for me to do this work, I need to be um, considering other people's needs first before my own. Um, I know that for me, when I first started off, I set my fee based off of what I thought others were doing around me. Um, and then I'd get on the phone with potential clients and like right off the bat, Josie, I'd be like, this is my fee. Um, and I offer a sliding scale. It's like, yep, of course, people are going to be like, no, what is that one? What is that fee? You know? Um, and it's just, gosh. And so, and then you know, and then you contract with somebody and yeah, I would then, you know, occasionally raise my rates, but for the folks that I had kind of, you know, initiated therapy at this certain rate, like even raising my rates, I mean, it was, it got to the point where it was no longer, it was not sustainable. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, and, and again, I had to learn the hard way as often a lot of us do. And now I'm very passionate about supporting therapists from the beginning mm-hmm. to be so intentional about their finances and about setting their rate and setting their fees. So could you kind of walk, can you kind of walk us through like actually getting to that number, right? So we're, 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 first, we're first centering ourselves instead of looking at, outward. Um, but then how do we, how do we land on the right number for ourselves and our business? Hey there, fellow therapists, your host, Dr. Cassidy popping in really quick to let you know that if you are looking for a roadmap to crafting your modern private practice, you're ready to take the dive in or to grow your business. I've got you covered. I have three e-courses for therapists, the crafted practice. This is your complete private practice roadmap that gives you everything you need from setting up the foundations of your business to marketing to your 
good fit client to setting important boundaries so you don't burn out. This is the course that's going to walk you through everything step by step. And then I also have the Established Therapist Toolkit. This is for those of you who are already established, you already got the nuts and bolts and the foundation of your business, but maybe you're looking to grow your business or diversify your income, then I've got you covered in that course. And then I have Podcasting for Therapists. For those of you who are ready to start your own podcast and you need some support to help you with all the tech and editing overwhelm, you want to explore ways to market your podcast, maybe even monetize it, I've got you covered in that course. You can learn more about my therapist e-courses at the link in the show notes. The doors open three times a year. If you're listening around the time that this episode went live, then you might be able to get in. The doors are closing this time around on May 28th, 2021. So go check out the link in the show notes to learn more. So there isn't a cookie cutter, like one size fits all answer to this. Um, and, and for this very reason, I actually created this really awesome tool um, that, that I um, give access to, to the students in my program. Because you kind of have to do a little bit of trial and error, right? Yeah. I think that, you know, if I know that I want to be making, I don't know, $10,000 a month you know, um, and, you know, my fee is, you know, $200, you know, and, and that I just kind of thought of that number, then getting to that caseload number or weekly number, you know, makes, makes sense. I think that some questions that therapists can start to think about when it comes to their, their number is mm-hmm. less about your worth, your personal worth. That thing is priceless. It's infinite. No one mm-hmm. can put a price to that. We're not talking about you the, the the person and I know that this work is personal I, I don't I really do think that therapists are healers through and through we don't we, we can't possibly do this work and do it well if it's not personal in some way if this isn't like what we're here to do in this lifetime right I, I really do yeah. believe that so we're gonna put the worth to the side right yeah. but we're gonna think about the value that you provide and again mm-hmm. this is uh this is another place where I think uh, you know, therapists are like, you know, they like hold their breaths because it's like, well, wait, what? <laughs> you know, I have to think about like the value, the transformation that I can help someone achieve. Yes, mm. because we are literally here. We're not doing things for people. We're not saving people, but we're literally walking with people through some of the hardest things, right? Some of the, the like most painful things, suffering, but also like helping folks you know, imagine, you know, like, and I know that seems like, you know, like not a big deal, but imagination and really being able to imagine a different lives for a different life for themselves, literally helping them have a different experience, not only for them, for the generations that are come, um, that are going to come after them. Like that's important work. That is such important work. And so, um, you know, I, I typically have therapists and think about like the value that you provide. You know, what is the transformation that someone could achieve by working with you? We're not, you know, we can't say, you know, if you work with me, you will, you know, we can't guarantee results. I mean, I don't know that, you know, in this type of work, whether you're a coach or a therapist, you can really guarantee anything. Um, But you really have to get clear on kind of that path, that trajectory, that transformation, you know, which is why, um, you know, it's so important to know your niche and your aligned client. Right. So, you, again, this is all about like just getting clarity and visibility, not a one size fits all, but get really clear on who is your aligned client when they walk in. Right. And who is your aligned client when they are at a good place to stop working with you? Like, where do you get them to? Right. Mm-hmm. And then let's talk about what, like, what is that value? Right. Is that is that 150? Is that 185? Is that 200, 250? You know, and what I have found is that coming up with a, a number initially is not as important as the lesson that you learn and the insights that you gain by just kind of playing with the numbers and getting visibility yeah. with the numbers. Because what I will say is about 100%, yes, 100% of the students that go through my program increase their their prices, their fees at least twice, right? Mm-hmm. And my program right now is, is four months. It's going to be a little bit longer. 
right? And that's not because I'm there saying, hey, your number needs to be higher, right? Like I'm no one to say that, but it's because the more they think through this, the more they center themselves, the more they get visibility and clarity around their capacity and how they want to use their capacity, they almost always come to the conclusion, hey, I actually want to work less. I have to raise my fee by, you know, 10, 20 bucks, right? Yeah. That's what I think is really important um, as compared to just like, you know, how do you, what's the formula for coming up with the number? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it absolutely does. And I I really love that this episode that we're doing with each other, Josie, is going to come after an episode about imposter syndrome and an episode mm. about perfectionism because I'm like, ooh, I, re- I need to walk. So if people are tuning in and they're like, ooh, I already see some of these blocks coming up, especially around imposter syndrome and like, and yeah, perfectionism is is basically fear underneath all of that, right? And so mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm so glad that this episode is going to come after those two because it's like we got to walk through some of that stuff maybe mm-hmm. first. We got to walk through the forest of imposter syndrome popping up or those other sort of mindset roadblocks. There was another episode that came out uh, before this one about mindset blocks around money. And it's like this is mm-hmm. – that is important work to, mm-hmm. to really – we got to walk through – that first, right? Because as you're talking about this, about, and I love that you're differentiating worth and like the value that you're providing in your service, right? Because I, yeah, you as a human being, your worth cannot put a price tag on that, right? And I love, I love that you're kind of differentiating that, but you're still saying here, you're providing value to somebody's life through this, through, through what, through the work that you do, right? And so Mm -hmm. what is the value of that? And oof, that is, that is, that that can be hard work to kind of navigate for somebody to say, I'm going to put a, I'm going to, I'm going to have to, I have to get to the fact that, the, that what I'm offering is valuable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I recall early on in my career, those early stages um, when there was, you know, imposter syndrome pops up at any stage of your career, right? When you're navigating something new or um, going through a new training. But in the very beginning, when you're first starting off as a therapist, I mean, I remember at times thinking at the end of a session, like, that should have just been a freebie. (laughs) I'm not quite sure I really knew what I was doing there. But that was definitely just imposter syndrome because, I mean, you know, even just even just being a witness just for someone, just in space. I mean, but what is the value in that? And then on top of that, all of the other, all of the other ways in which we support people, right? Um, yes, not not solving all the problems, not being the savior um, or the hero, but just supporting somebody and walking alongside with them. And I love that you're identifying here not just who is that aligned client when you walk in, when they walk in, but who are they when they walk out, right? Like really kind of going to that sort of future casting and kind of putting yourself there. Cause sometimes we do that with clients, right? Like I'll ask, you know, maybe in the first session, I'll kind of say to a client, you know, when we're talking here about, about goals, right. For the work we're going to do. And if you really look at my job, it's very interesting. It's almost like working myself out of a job, right. Because we want to get you mm-hmm. there and bring to your life, you know? Um, and, and I'll do, I'll walk clients there. Like what, 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 what would it look like if today was our last session? Right. Like, but then actually doing that for ourselves as therapists, imagining that aligned client, not only in the beginning, but when the work is done and what is the value of that? I, that is powerful, Josie. I, I think that's really, that really is important work that we have to kind of walk through before we actually land on the number. Right. And I, I think that, yeah, I think that as therapists, we go through different stages of kind of unraveling that for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then I can imagine why um, the folks you're working with kind of raise their rates, not just once, but maybe twice or three times, right? As they kind of get there. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. I mean, this, and again, like, you know, if, if you follow me on Instagram, I'm like always talking about this. You would think that I'm a mindset coach um, because, but, but you know, like, we're therapists, so it's it's we, we can't not see this stuff from all angles, right? Um, yeah. And and that's why you know I I talk a lot about you know you want to grow as a person, start a business, 
The personal <laughs> is professional and the professional is personal. Do not yeah. get it twisted and think that you're going to start a business and you can just leave your 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 personality, your personal stuff at the door. Like that's not how this stuff works. Especially oh, the, the luggage comes with you. <laughs> the baggage, you know? luggage, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, especially this type of work. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter what kind of therapist you are. It doesn't matter your background, your degree. It does not matter. This stuff matters to you, right? And it matters to you on a very human, very personal level. So yes, all that stuff is going to come in. And so, um, you know, again, like it's, we could talk about strategies. I could give you a formula. I could tell you what to do, but is is that really what you want? No, you want to, you want, this is your business. You did this because you wanted things to be on your terms. And so, mm. yep, only way to it is through it. Yeah. And so as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about, you know, some of the different work that I do and the, um, the value of that work, but also the energy that it takes Mm -hmm. to walk with somebody from the beginning to, um, to the, to them being ready to, to finish the work. Right. And so do you find that sometimes folks within their private practice will have different fees for different services, like individual therapy versus couples versus family versus, um, you know, someone who maybe who does EMDR, um, do you, do you see people setting different rates for these things? Cause I think, I think to myself, you know, um, an individual session versus a couples therapy session, there's different, a different kind of energy that I'm, I'm bringing into the room and, and then a different mm-hmm. sort of service sometimes that I'm offering in that space. Right. So do you see people sometimes setting different rates? Do you recommend that or, or, or what are your thoughts around that? Yep. So definitely see folks having different rates, um, you know, for different services or, you know, whatever the configurations are. Um, And I am 100% there with you in terms of, you know, money is an energy exchange. And so um, absolutely, you know, I'm I'm formally trained as a couples and family therapist. So I'm accustomed to having, you know, multiple people in the room. And when I see individuals, 100%, that's different energy. There's there's a different... I think um, a type and an amount of energy that's required of me, you know, to be 100% present for those 60, 75 minutes, right? And, and you know, money is, is a vehicle, right? It's an energy exchange. And I think it needs to, um, you know, it, it needs to uh, be not appropriate, but, you know, it needs to reflect that. Sorry. Um, so yeah. definitely. Okay. Like, I, I don't think that that's, that's a, an issue um, when you have um, different fees for different configurations where it starts to get a little bit tricky is when you have like five, six, seven different fees. Um, mm-hmm. for no, no other reason other than the client set the fee. Right. And so we kind of go back and sorry, let, let me just backtrack. What I mean by that is that, it is very commonplace for um, a therapist to get on a consult call and, you know, state their fee. And, you know, there, there's some sort of negotiation that goes back and forth. And the client says, you know, well, this is what I can afford. And the therapist says, okay. Right. So then you end up, again, it's kind of being other focused, not necessarily, um, you know, it may, may or may not work, it tends to not work, right, with your business model and your, your goals. Um, and so, you know, you end up with a variety of fees, you know, in your practice. And so again, it's less about this is the right way or the wrong way. It's more so about, does this make sense for your business, right? From a bookkeeping perspective, from an an, uh, energetic perspective, you know, if you are seeing a couple for $200 and you're seeing another couple for, you know, $75, for example, you know, it, it just, again, my first question is like, how come? Right. And so, again, this really it really has to go back to does this make sense for you, for your capacity, where you are in this season of your business? Um, You know, because, again, going back to this idea about the value, whether you see whether you charge the two hundred dollars or the seventy five dollars for that couple, you know, it's, it's not like you show up any less or you hold back or you are. Like you show up as a different therapist, chances are you're going to show up as the same right. therapist. So again, it just, again, it really has to make sense for your business. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit here about the slight sliding scale and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm curious for just to hear your thoughts on sliding scale, on, um, on taking insurance. Um, and 
you know, let's, and then just some advice for therapists. Like, let's say, you know, you mentioned this phone call and, you know, I, I have my rates on my website um, and I made that decision and, and very clearly. Um, and, and if I'm not accepting any slide, if I'm full, if, if I've, if I have a couple of clients that are on my sliding scale rate and I've, I'm full, like I make that also very clear on my website because I don't want people, I don't want to waste people's time, you know, like mine and theirs, you know, if people yep. are reaching out and it's not going to be the right fit for those reasons. Um, and I'm very clear on my website also about that. I don't take insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that has helped, but I am, I am curious to hear your thoughts. Like, let's say somebody gets on the phone and, um, the, the client is, is asking about that rate and if they can slide it down, you know, because maybe they, they have it on the website that they do offer a sliding scale, um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about, about sliding scale. Like how do we determine, like, is this, is this something that you even do? Do you offer a sliding scale? Like if somebody wants to be accessible, um, is that the best way to do it? Or are there other ways to live in alignment with that value? I'm just curious about your thoughts in general, as it relates to sliding scale, insurance, all these good things. For sure. I mean, we, we cannot have this conversation without talking about these, like, I mean, they're hot button uh, topics. I mean, I, I don't know yeah. if that's been your experience, but definitely um, yeah. you know, with my online community, you know, and, and in my program, definitely hot topics. And again, we go back to the meaning, right? Um, we are mm-hmm. obviously constantly making meaning of our experiences and what we do and what we don't do. And so I think that therapists have to get really clear on what it means to them or and or what does it say about them or what do they think it says about them if they take sliding scale or insur- and or accept insurance right mm-hmm. because a lot of the messages mm-hmm. we get is that you have to it's like op- it's an obligation that you have to uh offer mm-hmm. sliding scale i am of the thought that that is not true you actually don't have to right when yeah. it comes to sliding scale and this is an unpopular opinion, or maybe depending on what group you're talking to, um, sliding scale has to make sense for your business and the season of your business, meaning that you actually have to afford to slide your scale uh, or slide your fee. And what I mean by that is that you have to have a lot of clarity and visibility about where your finances are in order to say, okay, I can afford to slide my fee 50 bucks here or hundred bucks or whatever it is for you. Um, because, you know, a lot of times when therapists start in private practice, they don't, you know, they, they haven't been taught this or they just haven't had the resources, the support, you know, they're not thinking about profit margins. They're not thinking about having a profitable, um, they're not thinking about having a profitable business or how mm-hmm. to discern and tell, okay, I am making a profit now. If you're not turning a profit and your reason and your, your business is still breaking even or worse, you're in the red you're losing money, then going back to my question before, it doesn't make sense for your business to slide your, your fee. Chances are that the answer to that is, is no. But again, yeah. what comes up for you, like somatically, what comes up for you emotionally when you actually have to say no to someone to a sliding scale request or to just put on your website, I do not have sliding scale spots. There's a lot that comes up and it's that inner turmoil, that discomfort that therapists really have to work through again before we get to the piece around, let's look at your numbers and let's see if you can actually afford it. Same thing with insurance. Um, I, you know, I talk about this a whole lot and, you know, I sometimes wonder if people think I'm like anti-insurance and I absolutely am not. Um, Mm -hmm. It's that insurance is a business model. There's private pay. That's another business model. There's a hybrid. That's another business model. Again, you have to make sure that whatever business model you employ in your business works for you, your capacity, where you are in your life, and what season you are in your business. And this is what I mean. You know, for solo practice owners, when it's just you, you're doing everything. You're doing the marketing, the admin. You are working in the business because you are the therapist. You're literally doing it all. If you take insurance, that literally means that, you know, you need volume, right? Because at best, insurance companies pay, I don't know, 100, 125. I've seen 150 maybe in certain cases, Um, you know? And so you, you are, you know, your income is determined by the reimbursement rate. 
You know, so that means that in order to make, you know, meet your revenue goals, chances are that you need volume. You need to see a lot of people. And then what that means is then you run the risk of burnout, right? Mm. And so again, you know, people talk a lot about accessibility and insurance being that thing. And yes, no, I don't know. I I have um, like a nuanced feeling, I think, about that (laughs) in accessibility because you can be accessible in so many other ways, right? So that's not the only way. I think that what, what insurance, you know, taking insurance, again, as a solo practice because, you know, if you have a group practice, that's a different business model. So that it may, it's going to work a little bit differently there. But as a solo practice owner, you know, uh, taking insurance, I think, also becomes a crutch. Right. It, it means that um, I don't have to look at my scarcity mindset. I don't have to look at these mindsets and beliefs that may be keeping me stuck. Someone is get, getting me leads. I don't it doesn't matter that these leads are aligned or not. But I don't you know, like I, I could just kind of sit back, put my head down and just wait for people to call me. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if I, you know, can just do that, then I don't have to look, I don't have to look at that in the face and actually say, I don't want that anymore. So kind of going back to that, like identity work, coming back to that, um, you know, what is it that I want? Right. And I would venture to say, (laughs) venture to say that most therapists don't want that. Because otherwise, you could have stayed at the other setting that you were at, right, that took insurance and had you seen, you know, 30, 40, 50 people a week. You could have stayed there. But let's go back to your why, right? You start in private practice because you want time freedom. You want financial freedom. You want things on your own terms. And you got to do a lot of that work to get there. It's not something that you just wake up one day and kind of do, you know, if that were the case. We'd be having a different conversation. Exactly. Yeah. And so I love that you're talking here about we got to make meaning of that decision, right? We got to really connect it back in with with why. And I know that for me, I went into private practice because of a lot of these things that you named here. I wanted freedom. I wanted flexibility. I wanted to only put things on my schedule that aligned with me. Um, and the things that I wanted to see on my schedule. And I knew that I would be, and and like you said, professionals, personal, personal, professional. Like I knew that if I felt in alignment with the work that I was doing in those ways and had that freedom and flexibility, I would show up as a better parent, mm-hmm. as a better partner. I would show up better in a better in better ways for myself. Um, and and again, they would they would both benefit from each other if I was to do that, right? Yeah. Um, and and I also value stability and security, and I wanted to have a financially healthy business, right? I wanted to make a good income, and so that when I when I when I really look in the beginning, I looked at getting on insurance panels because that's what um, again the discourse of of, of that's the way to be accessible. Um, and I ended up, I, I did make the decision to not do that. Um, um, but it was a very hard decision, but I had to make meaning of that decision for myself and found other ways to be accessible mm-hmm. through other offerings, right. That are not individual one-on-one therapy, but other ways I could be providing resources and support for the communities around me. Now I have, there's another podcast episode that I have with um, my friend, Dr. Jen Hardy, who has an insurance based business model. And again, it is her business model that really fits with her, 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 her population and her location where she's located and it works beautifully for her. And so I hope that people can also tune into that episode if they want to hear an experience and a narrative around insurance as a business model that really fit and worked for somebody, right? And so Mm -hmm. I think that what I love that you're naming here, though, is that we have to come back to making meaning of that decision for ourselves and why we're taking those steps, right? Um, Because yeah, if we're in the red or just breaking even or burning out, we're actually not going to be able to help anyone at some point. Like it's not going to be workable. Um, And so, yeah, I'd love to hear more of your thoughts here on accessibility and like, what are ways for us as clinicians to be, to, 
to be, if we do value accessibility and we want to be accessible, what are other ways besides taking insurance and sliding our rates if it's not working for our business to do so? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so many ways and the internet and social media helps so much. You know, a lot of the work that, you know, that we do just like in our job as therapists, you know, a lot of psychoeducation. And so, you know, you can do um, you know, if, if you choose to get on social media, for example, that is an excellent way, um, you know, to provide psychoeducation to your aligned client, you know, talk, uh, talking about your niche and the problem that you help people solve. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a book. It doesn't have to be, you know, you know, pages long. It can just be, um, you know, something that makes someone say, oh, I, I hadn't thought about this in this way. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of times we forget that, you know, we we are the experts, right? Like we have the expertise in, in our particular niche and, um, and, and the stuff that kind of comes as like second nature to us. Most folks don't know that. They don't understand. You know, I think about like trauma, for example, and, you know, mm-hmm. sure, there's like a lot written on, on trauma, but the way that you explain trauma and the way I explain trauma can be so different. Obviously, our context, yeah. our training, all of that. And it's going to resonate with some people and not with others, which is why, you know, I'm, I'm a big, I, I, I always say, you know, like there's no such thing as competition. Like we can talk yeah. about the same stuff and it's just not going to land for everyone. So it's okay. People, there's, there are people out there. We have a group of people that need to hear this content in our particular voice right so there's social media there is blogging there is you know podcasting right like what what, what Mm -hmm. we're doing here um you know you can be a guest speaker you know if you want you could do pro bono work um again kind of going back to what you're saying about like your values and what's important to you you have to get Mm -hmm. clear on that if you want to dedicate you know uh, volunteer your time um i know that there's a therapist that's currently in my program and i think she um she does she volunteers her time at her church um i think she does like group group sessions you know and that's something that she does a couple of times a couple of hours a week and that feels good to her like who, yeah. who am I? Who are we to say you're not accessible enough? Right? Again, kind of going back to um, unlearning. Like, well, one building the awareness, but really unlearning and keeping what we want and kind of you know leaving the rest. These messages that we get around there has to you know we have to do therapy in this one way. We have yeah. to be um, therapy like you know this like this cookie cutter therapist. You know. Yeah. That, that is just such a disservice to the work that that we know and love, right? And so, yeah, it's a disservice to us and a disservice to our communities because it keeps us locked away behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. And I just think I love that you are doing the work out there to dismantle these these, these discourses, because um, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, so recently, um, so first to the volunteer piece, like pre-pandemic, um, I, I would volunteer down in Tijuana with asylum seekers. And that work was so meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and yes, it took time out of my schedule. I didn't make any money doing it. But it it was meaningful, right? And 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 not just with the asylum seekers, but then there were emails back and forth of trying to find resources for folks so that they could actually get um, continued support, right? When the volunteers were gone, and and all of that time was going to trying to was was to give to giving back to a community that's really important to me, being living in a border town and being half mm-hmm. Hispanic myself, and so then also finding ways to, like you said, offer resources, psychoeducation in other capacities, which I think, and I've experienced, can also be a bridge for people to then take steps to get therapy services or to, to find services for themselves. It might not be with you, but you became the bridge for them to say, wow, this is a thing. I'm learning about this. I'm learning about myself. And now I'm ready to take a step to get support. I did a workshop last week um, at a very low um, price point um, that was psychoeducational based. And I got a DM following that um, and a couple of emails from folks saying, hey, I learned so much and thank you for sharing resources in at the end of that workbook because I am I know now that I need 
to see someone and I'm going to take a step to get support. Right. And like, that is like they, this is somebody who may have not otherwise done that. Right. And so there are so many ways that we can be, um, showing up and being accessible in ways that's going to be good for our communities and, 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 and can also be good for our businesses at the same time. Right. And so, you know, here, as we're kind of coming to the end of our time, I would love to hear just your thoughts on that sort of like the ceiling. <laughs> you know, I kind of, when I went into becoming a therapist, I was like, all right, well, there's a ceiling. There's a ceiling to how much money I can make because there's only so many hours in a day. And I felt like, you know, there's, I can really only get my rate to a certain point until it's just not going to be workable for, for my aligned client. Mm-hmm. And so is there a ceiling here, Josie, or are there ways that therapists can move past that ceiling and be making, you know, six figures a year um, or gosh, even more, but like, let's start with six figures. Like how is there, how do we push through that ceiling of trading time for money? Yeah. Great question. Definitely do not think that there is a ceiling. Um, I am a firm believer that as therapists, we can, you know, be making multiple, have multiple six-figure businesses. Um, and so one thing that, and I don't know if you find this as well, but therapists tend to be multi-passionate, right? And mm-hmm. because of the work that we do, we literally just have like just so many skills, right? Our skill sets are so robust and so dynamic. Um, so and so um, we really can can do so many different things where we're not necessarily trading our time for money. Um, you know, some of those ways, not necessarily, you know, the ones that you're trading time for money, but just generally speaking, you know, you can do consulting. Those um, uh, folks that are, you know, fully licensed, for example, can do supervision. Um, you know, if you want to um, open up a group practice or have some sort of like model, right, where you have mm-hmm. other people kind of working with you, you can do that. Um, you know, you can move to the one-to-many model, um, having a group coaching program or having a membership, doing a course. Um, there's just so many different things that you can do. I mean, you could do a podcast and I mean, that, that may take a little bit of time, obviously, um, yeah. to be, you know, uh, for it to be profitable, you know, but again, it's, it's, the sky's really the limit. And, you know, one, I really do think we make, we are the best marketers because we live for relationships and we're really good at it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's our job. Yeah. Um, so, so when it comes to marketing, I think we kind of have that in the bag so long as, you know, we have some type of support to kind of pull it out. Um, but then the other piece is like, what, is, what is something that you really love to do? Not the thing that you have to do, not even the thing that you were trained to do, but what is the thing that you really love to do? What are some of those natural talents? You know, sometimes we minimize or, um, dismiss our natural talents because we haven't necessarily quote unquote, like worked for them, but that's precisely the thing that not only brings us the most joy, but it's probably the most profitable. Um, the one caveat that I will that I will share here is that, um, you know, before you go to the one to many model, I always kind of tell therapists that, you know, there are steps to these things. And it's not because, again, there's like a right or wrong way. It's that, you know, you want to be strategic. If you have your one on, you know, your solo practice and it's just you, that is a great place to learn right? It's a great place to learn what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Um, it's a great place to get those money story, stories sorted out um, and really get comfortable being a business owner. It's a very um, kind of low leverage way, um, you know, to to kind of, you know, set yourself up as a business owner before you go to like a one-to-many model, for example, where you're, you know, you're probably going to have to hire people. You're going to be dealing with more than, you know, 15 clients a week, for example, if that's your caseload, um, you know, and, and a lot of, and the other thing is that you want, you want something that you can repeat, right? You want something you want, whether that's a system, whether that's a mindset, you don't want to replicate chaos. If your if your private practice is still a little bit chaotic or it, it needs um you know just like a little bit of time for it to like come into its own, you you don't want to replicate that and and you know start something else um because it's just it's inefficient 
right? So I see a lot of therapists kind of be um, feeling a little bit of pressure now because there are a lot of us that have a couple of different things going on and that's okay. Like we can all get there and also let's make sure not to shortchange ourselves and kind of hold this hold ourselves hostage because you know we want to we want to rush to get to, to this other thing like your practice can give you six figures like very easily yeah. um very yeah. simply i should say not easily maybe um and yeah. that's yeah. oh this is so okay so a couple things here that are just so key that you said one therapists are amazing marketers we have the skills but i think a lot of us don't think that we are really great marketers, but you're right. What do we know? We, we know a lot about communication. We know a lot about relationships. We, we, we know a lot about connecting in to understand people's pain points, right? Like, oh, we, ha- we can be amazing marketers. Um, and, then, and then also this piece of like, if your current business feels kind of chaotic or it's just not a lot of efficiency or like, under, like you don't feel kind of rooted in your business right now, right? You don't want to replicate that, right? And so we, first we got to figure out those pieces into making your business feel like it's efficient and it's, got, it's, it's not so chaotic, right? Um, because then you know what it is that you want to replicate as you're kind of diversifying or expanding your business. Um, those two are so key and I really appreciate that you named those here. So Josie, as we're kind of coming here to the end of our time, you've mentioned now a couple of times that you have, um, some, a group that you run and kind of a program. Can you share with people where, where they can find you and your resources? Yeah, so um, folks can find me on Instagram. Uh, my my tag is the Healing Strategy, and I run a group coaching program. It's four months long. It's called the Therapist Marketing Lab, and I help solo practice owners attract aligned clients and achieve eight to ten uh, k months without insurance. So that's kind of a bread and butter. Awesome. Well, I will be sure to include links to all of this here in the show notes where folks can go and find you and the work that you're offering. Josie, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today about all of this. This was so wonderful. I can't wait to share this episode with everyone. And like I said, I'm so glad it's coming after the money mindset, the imposter syndrome, and the perfectionism. I didn't really like intend for this all to line up so well, but I think that it's a, it's a really nice little batch here of episodes that I think people can kind of walk through and then and then get here with you and me so thank you again so much Josie so grateful for your time and to know you and can't wait to share this thank you thank you so much